Vital Educators podcast is hosted by self-development coach, investor, and renowned educator, Ahmed Saqib. Ahmed will speak to fellow educators, young professionals, ordinary people like you and me about their life choices that allowed them to become successful in their careers. He will also delve deeper into the psychology and their perception of success, the good, bad, and the ugly. For young students, he will discuss techniques to help you with your learning and development. Ahmed is committed to helping you determine what you want to do in life. He will share his own life experiences of self-discovery and self-realization that has led him to launch this venture. So this podcast is for anyone who wants to know more about various paths to becoming successful in any profession or passion. Hi guys, Ahmed here from Vital Educator. So today I have a fantastic guest on and uh, he is absolutely brilliant. He's been a transformational life coach for about six years now. He lives in Los Angeles, California. I would really like to welcome Mr. Jeffrey. Thank you so much for coming on, sir. How are you doing? I'm doing great. I'm so excited to be here and, and chat with you and um, meet your your audience. It'll be fun. Awesome. Awesome. Well, the bulk of my audience is actually um, young people and parents of young people. So uh, me being a self-development coach myself, I deal a lot of uh, issues that young people face in today's society. Uh, have you had any clients like that? And what kind of issues do you normally deal with as a transformational life coach? <clears throat> um. I am not sure what you're referring to when you said uh, issues like that, but I think that um, that there there are a couple things that are happening um, within the transformational sector, if you will, or um, area of growth. Mm -hmm. How about that? Mm -hmm. um, and also, what's happening um, for our youth? There, there. We are, every generation is within this uh, experience that we're having right now. And within that experience, every generation is having its generational experience. Yeah. So, um, you know, when my father was a kid, they used to have, uh, you know, talk to him about this. They used to have in the middle of the United States, they would have nuclear drills. Wow. Where kids would get under, where kids would get under the desk, um, you know, and there were there were different things at different times, and um, you know, we have, um, you know, my father's generation, my generation, and the you know generation behind us that are going through this experience right now, mm. in addition to whatever other challenges and opportunities that each generation is facing, just in general. Hmm. And uh, how did you actually come into the uh, life coach game, as it were, six years ago? I mean, what was that trans transformational change in your life that had caused you to become the person that you are today? Um, I started. I, I became a coach because I became my best client. Oh wow! And and by that, and also, but I started as my worst client. <laughs> <laughs> and 
Um, you know, I, I, I didn't wake up one day and say, oh, I want to coach people. Um, what mm. the, the decision came from a, a natural evolution of my own work and um, what I was learning about myself and uncovering about who I am and what my um, talents are and how, how that serves me and serves other people at the same time. So it was really um, as I started doing the work that I started seeing the benefit of the work and I also started seeing how I could help other people. Hmm. And when you say you saw the benefits of the work, what work are you specifically referring to? What kind of, uh, could you list out a couple of things that you did uh, that helped you realize your life's true purpose? Because I see a lot of people, especially young people as well, including myself, to be honest with you, are going, a, are going through a journey of self-discovery. Uh, most people don't even realize until they're older uh, or a lot older, they've worked in, this, in, a, in a certain job for about 20 years to realize they don't even want to be a part of it in the first place. And they kind of fell into it. So yeah, how I, know, do, I know. Yeah. So how do you how do you how do you how do you uh, advise on um, on discovering yourself as early as possible so you can start the journey that you want to go on? Well, a couple things. One is um, the people that my journey started as that person who woke mm. up in their career, you know, down the road and thought this isn't me, this isn't for me, this is not fulfilling, a mm. and there are there are many people who I coach typically who um, are people like that. They may or may not leave their industry. It's not about that, but they just wake up in a space where they're like, you know, things don't. They should be fine, and they don't feel very good. Um, so, the the in terms of how not to get there, I I would recommend. I, I do have a book that I recommend. Mm. Um, that I found useful when I first started that around that search around college. And then I found it useful later on in life too. And the book is called what color is your parachute? Hmm. Okay. By who? Um, great question. Um, <clears throat> as I, as I frantically type, yeah, you don't, you don't hear me typing right now. Yeah. <laughs> that, that clicking noise is not me typing. Um, it was, they redo it every year and it's Richard nice. Nelson Bowles, B-O-L-L-E-S. Nice, so he, nice. does, he, he does a new edition every year and changes things for, for what's happening in the current Why time. that, why that one book in particular? Why do you, why do you attribute that one book? Well, it's a great starting point. Um, what it does and what I think most personal development work needs to do is it gets you into a space of personal assessment, hmm. um, not, not personal wish fulfillment or, um, you know, so where you're looking at what works for you and what doesn't work for you. And you're literally starting to see how can I create something that has the elements that work for me. Mm. Um, and you know, who do I need to be to do that? And how, once I know what that is and how do I get there, how do I mm. create a career? How do I get into the job market? How do I find, um, find the thing to do when I, this book, you know, not to talk about the book a lot, but it's a, it is a good book. And when I first got out of college, I followed the directions in the book mm. and I had friends who were sending, 
you know, a hundred um, letters out and all kinds of, you know, things to get their first job. And I, I just followed the directions in the book. And all I did was I sent 10 letters out. Hmm. And when I sent those 10 letters out, I got seven responses and I got five interviews and I got three job offers. Wow. Incredible. Yeah. So, so if you just follow the steps of the book, uh, it'll take you to a place where you can get some visibility. And when you get that visibility, you get resonance. And when you get resonance, meaning you're in alignment with who you are, what you're here to do and what, and it may not be a perfect fit like that. Mm -hmm. What I signed up for at that point in time is not what I'm doing now, but it was the perfect fit for me at that point in time. Mm. And it contributed to who I am now and it contributed to the skills that I need in the business that I do now. Wow. And uh, do, uh, do you still, because you said uh, they update it pretty much every year, do you read it every year on a regular basis to see what has changed and how it's uh, transformative in your life as well? I, I don't. Um, they, they have a 2020 edition already. Mm. I have a feeling wow. that the... The 2020 edition had no idea what was going to be happening in 2020. <laughs> of course, of so, course. Yeah, so so probably more useful would be the 2021. But actually, mm. it, it would be useful in this period of time too. Um, the skills and the things that it has you do are super useful. So. Fair enough. Um, so uh, you mentioned earlier that uh, you were your worst client. Talk to me about the worst Jeffrey you've ever had to deal with and how do you mold a worse client into the best client, as you say? Well, um, you know, I, I thought I knew it and had no idea, had no idea how little I knew. And I couldn't, and, and I, to the point of, I didn't have a, a vocabulary around my feeling state. Um, I, I didn't have a real sense of, my journey in um, in this world, and it's it, I mean it's hard to explain that, but um, on one level it was very clear. On another level, um, you know, there was still um, the journey, the most important journey that we do, which is internal, and there was a lot of mm. internal work that I hadn't done, I hadn't uncovered. Um, that still lay before me and um, in that was the unraveling and the the first place that you start the work that you do is you have to have two things one is a commitment to doing the work mm. and two is a belief that there is some work that needs to be done but you don't know exactly what it is and you're open to it mm. now um, I completely agree with you on that front that work needs to be done and every single day I wake up and I look at my goals and I look at my life purpose I try and emulate that into my work I keep that at the back of my head whenever whatever I'm doing but the problem comes in um, is when the quality of the work that I produce does not match my expectations I don't know whether you've had that experience or not but what would you do or say to a person who have had such experiences where they put their heart, heart out uh, and they have worked hard, but it has not worked out well for them. And then they lose hope and they don't want to try. They don't want to stay consistent. What do you say to those people? 
<clears throat> well, the first thing I would say is um, you may be shooting at the target too low. So raise your sights. Mm. Um, and what I mean by that is that um, that I would guess, um, usually I would just ask on this, but I would guess that the, the disappointment might be the reception of what you did, not in the mm. quality of what you did. Hmm. Could you describe that with an example so I can fully understand where you're coming from? Sure. So let's say that you're creating some content and mm. you want to create a content for a course that you think is going to be super helpful and is needed. You feel called to do it mm. and um, you do the course and you create it. And then just a couple of people come and you feel frustrated at the result that what, what you would believe the result is. Hmm. And instead of being frustrated with the content that you've created, I'm not saying that you should be, but perhaps it's about creating something of value and, and that could help one person. Hmm. Or it could be the, the learning that you need to move on to the next step in your evolution. Hmm. So okay. for instance, so for instance, maybe it's a course that's about um, personal development rituals in the morning. And then, hmm. and then in the middle of that, when you're finished with it, you're like, wow, I really see how, um, how nutrition can play a big role in this, you know, with tonics and the way you eat and things like that. So I want to, you know, based on this last course, I kind of got lit up about that. So I'm going to go and drill into that. Then maybe you walk away and that becomes another aspect of your business. So you see what I'm saying? So it could be a step instead of, and that's what you get from looking at things with a growth mindset. Hmm. You don't look at things and say, oh, that was a wasted time because there's never wasted time. You learn things. Hmm. If, you're in a, if you're in a mindset of there's not any wasted time, things are happening for me. And I, because I'm learning, I'm constantly evolving. Hmm. So then it's, there's no, it's, sorry, there's sorry, no failure in that. Fair enough. Yes. So, so in that there's no failure, which is very liberating. And by that, I mean, it opens up uh, avenues for creative juices to be flying. And um, so, yeah. Wow. Um, powerful. Um, this reminds me of a book that I read recently called ways of a superior man by david data i don't know whether you've heard of the uh, heard of him but in which he talks about i read it a while ago yeah oh you did okay brilliant Uh, yeah he talks about the third version of a man where he just does not stop giving he does not care the about the quality of the work his whole mojo is or his whole agenda is to produce and to create and to benefit the world doesn't matter. He says, is, is he, I remember he, he, he says in the book, uh, a superior man does not stop giving just only because he's not being received. He gives in spite of, in spite of receiving. So that, it, and I keep that in the back of my head as well. But uh, I always look at, I always try and quantify everything. Uh, so given the fact that I have a, obviously a business background, I'm running a business. I have to, I, I have to drill down into the numbers. I have to become that guy, basically. Otherwise, um, there's no point 
I, I, well, I still have to eat, you know, I still have to feed my family. So I do have to look at those things as well from a practical standpoint. How do you balance the two up? How do you balance the creativity side and the spiritual side of who you want to be and what you want to become versus what you need on daily life on a practical standpoint? Sure. Well, one of the, the keys to this process is really, um, you know, once you have the commitment um, is to start to develop an awareness of how you're behaving and how you're interacting so that you can start to be aware of thoughts that are putting you off balance in an overwhelm or stress state. Um, because when those thoughts will actually in that stressful state, it gets activated by thoughts that come in that we haven't, you know, whether it's trauma we haven't dealt with or emotions we haven't really been able to process or haven't known how to process. When we start to do that, the, and we start to be familiar with ourselves at that level, then we regain our center, we regain our peace, we regain our, our personal power for making strong, connected decisions. So um, it's super important for us to get to a grounded place when we're making decisions because of two things. Number one, when you're in a stressed out state, you become 30% less smart. Your blood, is, your blood is going to your extremities so you can fight, fight, or fight, flight, or freeze. Not so you can, you know, recite the Declaration of Independence. It's really, you know, so when you're triggered, you're out of there and your brain is not, you know, thinking. You're also not digesting either, right? So there's things that your body does. And we need to bring you back to a place of groundedness. So all of a sudden you become smarter, you get more done, and you make better decisions. So just by virtue of doing that, all of a sudden you've got 30% more bandwidth. And how do you access that? How do you access um, your uh, a level where you're in control of your emotions and you're in control of yourself? Um, well, some of it is, uh, it, well, it's about relationship. So, um, and part of that is how you refer to and how you interact with emotions. It's not about controlling them because that's part of what gets you into a place that doesn't work. It's about allowing them to flow and breathing them through and not, not sitting in it forever, but allowing the, the full breath of it to go through you. And to know that we have the capacity to carry many things at the same time, especially if things are flowing through us. If we're carrying the weight of an unprocessed emotion, that's heavy. You know, that's, and, and it's literally in our language. People are like, oh, wow, he's, he's heavy. You know, you, they don't say that about people who don't have um, this weighted emotional energy to them so yeah so it's important it's super important to make sure that um, we're taking care of our body which is the balance which provides the emotional balance the performance balance the edge that we need 
so that um, it, it's an edge that we get through our natural energy and one that we don't take from our energy, you know, like with coffee where it's just um, using our adrenal energy, but it's actually our essence. We have an enormous amount of energy as humans when we are tapped into our essence. A lot of times we run um, with less energy than we would like because we're resisting life. So how do you, um, wh what kind of, what kind of steps would you normally do on a daily routine or on every single day to have that extra 30% that you were referring to, to have that extra energy or to, to able to access a higher consciousness to be able to be completely emotionally stable and, uh, and, and, and like you said, not to control those, that, that aspect of your life, rather have it flow, that energy flow through you. What kind of rituals do you do in the morning when you wake up? And what, what would you recommend, essentially? Sure, <clears throat> sure. The, the process, the important process is to develop a relationship with your body that is a clean relationship. So it's not you know, so you're eating cleanly and um, mm. you're aware of what different sensations mean and you're checking in to your body. So you're aware of, am I holding energy here? Am I stiff? You know, it, what, what am I trying to protect in this conversation because my body is slumped over? So if you're constantly aware of your experience, um, that's an important key. So one of the things that I do is to bring myself into my body. Um, and I do that. I'll do that with walks and during mm -hmm. the walk, I'll pay attention to all of my senses. And that brings me present. There's not, there's not another mental chatter of, you know, what government does this, da, 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 da. it's, <laughs> it's just listen to that bird, look at that beautiful tree and breathe. And I'm here. Hmm. It sounds like meditation to me. It, and that's another thing that I do. I do meditation. But yeah, it is a, it is a form of meditation. Um, in Japan, they call it forest bathing when you walk in the forest. Wow. Yeah. Do you have a nice forest where you live? Well, in Hermosa, um, there's a, a great little area called the Green Belt. So it's this um, three and a half mile long park that is parallel to the beach um, but about eight blocks back from the beach and it's <clears throat> it's a park that's linear and it's between two streets and so mm. there you know it's gorgeous and in the middle of the park um, along this three and a half mile is this um, sawdust path that goes through you know all these different terrains with you know some are some is just green and then some is trees and flowers and benches it's really nice yeah so i'll do that or i'll go down to the beach and meditate there but um it i start my morning with me i don't start my morning um, on the phone or on somebody else's schedule because then I'm constantly trying to find my way back to me. I ground into who I am and what I'm here to do. Similar to how you do um, when you read your your goals and things like that that you want to accomplish. This is just simply, you know, tuning into my intuition 
and that helps with communication that helps with uh, you know person to person communication it helps with customer communication <clears throat> it helps with communication internally meaning myself to me my soul and my spirit um so that i can maintain a, a healthy way of being um on a physical level and an emotional level i mean you you can impact your your health through your thoughts there's a such a thing as called a placebo yeah right and then there's one that's the opposite where you can take something that's a sugar pill and you can get you know the disease that it says that somebody's telling you that it is because you believe it carries that and that's called a nocebo mm. Wow. So the mind is very powerful, yeah. That's very that's very helpful. But at the same time, uh, what would you say to those people who don't like meditating or don't like doing these things because they have got too much going on in their lives? They say, oh, uh, you know, I, I've been thinking about this email that I want to write or have that phone call that I was thinking about since last night and, uh, and I just can't get that out of my head. So the first thing I want to do when I wake up is to attend that first. So how do you tell them to kind of keep that aside, don't think about it, and, or, or stop, stop themselves from thinking about it, which is an active process, I, I imagine, because I find it really hard to meditate when I know that I have a meeting at, say, 11 o'clock, and I wake up at 9, or I wake up at, like, 10, and I know that between 10 and 11, I, I, I need to prepare for that meeting. So how do I fit in being mindful and being present and connecting with my body time in there? Well, um, you, you, uh, it sounds like you've got an impression that it takes a certain amount of time. I mean, mm. you, you can practice coming back to your body and it really doesn't take that much time and you can do it in the course of 60 seconds. Oh, so, wow. yeah. So what you do is you just notice your body, um, and do a, a quick little scan. We can do it right now. Yeah, sure. I'm ready. Okay. So you do a quick little scan, bringing your awareness to your head, your scalp, your ears, your jaws. Noticing if there's any tension in your jaw, you can move it, rub it, whatever mm -hmm. works. Taking a deep breath into your belly. So when you breathe in, your belly goes out. That means your diaphragm is coming down. You're taking full breath, which is something that not very many people do. And when you don't do that, mm -hmm. you create a sense, the same sensations of anxiety and fear, just based on your breathing. Even if you don't, even if you don't feel that way, or if you feel that way, then you'll start breathing that way. So you can influence your emotions by coming back into your body, especially your breath. So bringing in that breath, and then. Exhale, and then notice down your arms, down to your fingers, down your back, down your legs, down your feet, and then noticing if you hear anything, if you hear multiple things. And then noticing what you see. Noticing the smells and then noticing any touch sensations. Mm. 
could be your shirt on your back, maybe, mm. maybe your okay. shoes. Yeah, whatever. Yeah. And now, and in that simple, then you take one more breath into your belly and then out. And you can just say, I'm here. That was quite pleasant, I must say. I can't believe I've never had this experience on a podcast, I must say. And uh, that actually made me feel so relaxed and so calm. And uh, and to be honest with you, I do feel better. This is so weird. Wow. Crazy, <laughs> that, right? That was awesome. Yeah, I mean, it's so weird. Um, it's like you're being aware of who you are. Like yeah. you're being aware of your of yourself. Right. That's such a such a weird feeling. Because I... uh, as yeah, sorry. Carry on. No, no, no. Go ahead. I, I want to hear what you're saying. And just no, I'm just. Uh, I'm kind of. Um, I didn't know it was this easy because I thought you have to go in a quiet room, you have to sit down, and you have to stop thinking about everything else and let the thoughts go through your head, and you have to go into that calm space. But I was thinking, how do I go into that calm space when I know that I've got to reply to those emails? I know I've got to source that property. I've got to uh, have that meeting with my uh, with, with with a worker that I'm working with, and I have a podcast to record, I have a video to edit, I've got things to do basically. Uh, how do I do that? And um, you have uh, literally did it with me, and that was incredible because I was not thinking about any any of that. I was focusing maybe because you were leading it. Probably that's why I was I was it was more of in a session. That's why because I think if I would was to do it on my own. I don't know whether I'll I'll be able to sustain that because, uh, yeah, I don't know. I think you will if you give it a shot, because what you're what's happening what's happening is your mind is untrained, so it's running around like a monkey, like oh here's a thought here's a thought let's do that let's do that, and so you can train your mind because it's an active muscle, you know, like. You can train your mind by either teaching it focus, which is all meditation is, teaching you how to focus on one thing instead of all over the place and being jerked around by whatever thought comes through. So that's one thing that it does. And then um, it will also bring you to a in this particular case with the exercise that we did what it does is it gives the mind something to do the mind isn't it drops the toy that it was playing with whatever thought or whatever you know things you should be doing and you're bad for not doing them and it goes over and it plays with the new thought which is how do i become present and then you do the exercise and your your mind is intrigued and engaged because it's having an experience, a true experience. And the mind is so powerful that the other time when your mind was going all over the place and, and uh, tormenting you with thoughts about things that you hadn't done, it was actually creating an experience. And your body doesn't know the difference between either one. So your body doesn't know the difference between, oh, my God, I, I have to do this thing. I'm, I'm going to if I don't get it done, it's I'm going to be in trouble. And then you start feeling the anxiety of having not done it and getting in trouble. Otherwise, it would just be like, oh, I've got to do this thing. And there wouldn't be any anxiety. There wouldn't be any stress. Stress is how professional people say 
fear in a polite way. So you get a chance to just become present. And then the, the monkey mind has let go of the shiny object and then you can come back and do what you need to do. Mm. My business mentor says that to me. She says that I have a shiny object syndrome. <clears throat> wherever I, um, uh, whenever I see a shiny object, I just want to grab it and play with it. So my concentration goes from one thing to the next thing, to the next thing, to the next thing. And I'm always looking for like new things to do to keep my mind occupied at all times. She's like, you never stop. You never relax. You never, you know, focus on one thing for a prolonged period of time. So your meditation practice has definitely helped me. And like you said, it's a muscle. So if I keep training it, I know that I will be able to control it and control the way I operate essentially, because I feel like I'm not in control of what I'm thinking and what I'm doing on a daily basis. Yeah, and that's where the true act of creativity and freedom lie, is in our mm. mind and our ability to control or create our experience. You know, that's where that that that's where now you know somebody like Nelson Mandela, you know, has a very different experience of being locked up in prison for that long and and who he is when he comes out than somebody else might have. When you started on this uh, transformational journey six years ago, did you have a vision or did you just start off the bat, we'll see where it takes me kind of attitude? Um, I didn't have a place mm. that I was trying to go to. It wasn't like I thought, um, oh, I need to work on this or work on that. I mean, there were things that showed up that mm. it was obvious I needed to do some work around. Um, but it it was just a matter of um, stepping into it and what needed to wow. be worked on showed up. Wow. And do you and still feel like you're still on this journey of self-discovery or have you unlocked the code of Jeffrey? <laughs> yeah, unlock the code of Jeffrey. Um, I I am um, committed to a life of learning and being part of other people's learning and experience and growth. So, um, and I think that we are we live in a, a society, in a culture, in a experience on this earth as. Mm -hmm. People all part of the same race, the human race. And we had this experience that we get a chance to um, to lean into and enjoy. And by doing the work that is um, necessary, then I believe mm -hmm. we get a chance to enjoy it much more vividly. And... Um, the connections to people become juicier things become easier uh, yeah it's i i had a good life before i have a better life now wow and uh, so if i was to say what was your mission with this whole uh project i guess of yours what is your mission or has your mission changed by any chance or do you even have one 
Yeah, um, I am here to um, help people connect with their true essence um, in self-love, joy, and peace, and connection. And um, there's a lot of benefits from doing that. And yeah, so uh, um, my mission is to help people see what that is and help them find their way home and walk back home to who they are, what turns them on. Many people that I talk to will have <clears throat> similar wants and will know specifically what they don't want. But when, mm. when you really start to ask them what they want and why they want it, um, then that conversation is a little bit less vivid. Mm. Um, and so it's a chance for people to really start creating the life that they want. Fascinating. And uh, yeah. how, um, how should people reach out to you? What, how, how do they do that? Do you have a website or do you have a, any sort of... A yeah, so, sure. So uh, my website is Jeffrey Davis Coach, and it's J-E-F-F-E-R-Y Davis, mm -hmm. D-A-V-I-S, coach.com. Mm -hmm. nice. nice. Yeah. And, and over there, they can drop you an email or anything like that? They can connect with me over there, absolutely. Um, if they want, I mean, yeah, that's the simplest way to do it. Oh, that's excellent. That's excellent. I'll include that in the show notes. Last question then. Um, if uh, What would you say to somebody who wants to become a transformational coach, transformational life coach, and they are kind of going to that footstep, footsteps right now, they're listening to you, you've done it for six years, what would your advice be for them? I mean, I think what I would say is never stop working on yourself. Because that's, that is going to show up in your business, in your coaching, in your life, in the success of your business. Um, it will show up in how successful it can be, if it can be successful at all. Um, so, yeah, I would say never stop doing the internal work because that's how you provide the most value, too. Absolutely. Because finding out about yourself, in essence, you're finding about others as well, because surely the problems that you have are quite common or would be quite common in other people as well. The trials and tribulations and difficulties are trans translated or, 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 um, or, or similar uh, in other people as well. So uh, you're absolutely right in that. And I'll take a page out of that book as well. Thank you so much for coming on, Jeffrey. It was a genuine pleasure. And I really got to understand your perspectives and I really got to learn a lot. Thank you so much for coming. Absolutely. I really appreciate your time and the show that you're doing and the service that you're offering. So I really appreciate this. Always a pleasure. Always a pleasure. All right. Take care. All right, brother. Take care. This was Vital Educators Podcast by Ahmed Sakeem. Hope you enjoyed. Please follow or subscribe for more content every week.